You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. This summer at 2911, we're looking back at some of the iconic movies of the 1980s. Don't skip out on this week's message. It's Ferris Bueller's Day Off. All right, this, this movie, uh, as it Early on as it begins, there's, there's this one now iconic scene of Ben Stein who plays one of Ferris Bueller's uh, teachers, and he's taking role, okay? And uh, so, you know, he's a Bueller, Bueller, <laughs> and just goes on and on until, until it's, just, it's just funny, right? Now, we've already seen in the movie that he's staying home, okay? We've already seen that. That's already settled. So... Why do we have that? You know, and I think part of the reason that we have this is to point out the fact not just that he's staying home, but that he's skipping school. I mean, it really just points out that he's skipping school. They're taking role. They're taking attendance. He's going to get his name checked. Oh, nope, can't check his name off. But maybe that's the whole thing. Maybe that's it. Maybe life for, you know, some of you remember when you, you were in high school. Some of you still there, right? Some of you have to remember way back, right? But can you remember? Can you think back a little bit and remember that sometimes it feels like all you're doing is just checking things off, that, you know, you're just checking off the attendance that, okay, I'm here, and that's all there is to it. Maybe that's a lot of what's going on in uh, Bueller's life, and that's why he wants to do something different. But, you know, we, we do that in every area of our life, I believe. Sometimes we can get in the ruts where the only thing that's happening is we're just checking things off as we're going through life. We're just this thing and then this thing. And then. We can even do that in our Christianity. If we're not careful, that's, that's the way our Christianity can become our walk with Christ. Like, let's talk about just for a moment the Ten Commandments. They can, and, I, and I think a lot of people, they're like a checklist. Okay, I'm doing what God has told us to do, you know? Like the first one, you shall have no other gods before me. Uh, I'm not worshiping any other gods. Jehovah's the only one I know. You know, that's the only one that I'm worshiping. So check that one off. Thank you. Check that one off for me. You shall not make idols. A lot of you have been to my house, you know. We don't have any statues out in our front yard. Now, somebody after the first service did tell me that, yes, but your wife does have some roosters in her kitchen. So, but those aren't idols. You know, we didn't erect them as idols. Uh, so, yeah, check that one off for me. We don't have any idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That's always been a big one at my house, okay, back when I was a kid. And so, no, no, that, that, that one's, go ahead and check that one off. I'm doing that one. I've got that one. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy? Well, look around. Where are we at? It's the Sabbath. Where are we at? We're... We're together, so we're remembering it. So we all get to check that one off, right? Okay, I'm not going to go through the rest of these, but you see how empty this becomes? And I think that's, that's the problem with a, a, lot, a lot of Christians who get a little bored or even disillusioned, maybe even disenfranchised and even distant from their Christianity is because it's become just a checklist to them. There are just some things that God says do and don't do, and, and so they just go through those things. Okay, I did it. I showed up at church. I wrote a check. I gave some money. You know, okay, yeah, we got a school supply. I'm going to run to Dollar General after church. I'm, okay, I'm doing all these things, doing all these things, and, and, and we're really missing all that it can be. And so in, in light of that, you know, I, I can kind of understand where Ferris Bueller may be coming off, you know. I can kind of understand a little bit that, that hey, I'm tired of life just being something that I'm checking all, checking all the blocks, you know, and I'm doing all the right things and everything. I'm, there's got to be more to it than that. So I can kind of understand that. 
that maybe that's what's going on with Ferris Bueller and why he needs a, a day off, right? Except this movie is an encyclopedia of how not to do it, isn't it? Okay, so, here, so here, here's, I'm going to lay this out for you because a lot of you, you know, your mind today is on the baby, the child dedication that we've done, the baby and child dedications that we've done. And so you're thinking about, you know, being that good parent, being that grandparent. There's some great stuff right here. It's not about the list. Don't just teach them the list. Teach them what is back there. Because you, you may say, well, I need a break or I need this or whatever. Okay, yeah, but you got to do it the right way. So let's look at some of these things that this movie uh, teaches in the wrong way. Skipping out on responsibilities, okay? So he's skipping school, and how many of you have ever skipped? No, don't raise your hand, okay? Because some of you are sitting here with your parents, you'll be in trouble if you raise your hand, right? So you'll end up having to lie if I ask you to raise your hand, and you don't raise your hand. So we'll ask you, but we understand what skipping school is, right? And we think, oh, no big deal. But, you know, when you look at the, you look at the word skip, you look it up in the, in, in the dictionary, the definition of skipping is to omit something that is expected, okay? Now, now, think about this. If you were to bake a cake this afternoon and you're mixing up the batter and you don't, you know, you, you don't put any gasoline inside, in, into the batter, okay? You don't put any of that. Nobody would say you skipped the gasoline because it's not in the recipe. You know, it doesn't belong there. But if you didn't put flour in the batter, Somebody would say, oh, you skipped the flour. You omitted the flour. You see, skipping means that you omitted something that you were probably supposed to do. You know, and that's not the way to do things. I think the next thing is stealing, right? Stealing. And stealing is wrong. We all know stealing is wrong, but we don't steal, do we? We just borrow. Can I ask you a question? If you borrow a Ferrari from somebody without their permission, is that Okay. You know, is that not stealing? Because that's what they do in the movie. They're just borrowing it, right? But when they bring the Ferrari back, it's got several hundred miles. We don't even know how many. I mean, uh, because those other guys drove it too. If, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. And they, they drive it. And they bring it back, and they can return the car, but they can't return those hundreds of miles that were on there. They actually even try. They try to run the odometer back. But even if they could have run the odometer back, that would not have returned those hundreds of miles that they put on that near priceless car, you know? Like, you can't do that. So that, that's not okay to do that either. And then lying, you know, no, we, we, we don't lie. That is, yes, we don't lie, do we? You know, I heard something back years and years ago, and this has really stuck with me. Half the truth is often a great lie. And think about that, okay? You see, because what we'll do is we will take the part of the truth that we want to share, and we'll share that part so that people will believe something. And you know, I, Growing up, I had a good friend in high school, and he had all these different little sayings, and one of them was, and he used to say it maybe about something when he, he was talking to his parents or he was talking to a teacher, and, and he used to say this a lot. He would finish it up by saying, which I didn't lie. Now, if you say which I didn't lie, you probably did, right? Even though maybe a lie didn't come out of your mouth because you were lying in your mind and only telling half the truth. I mean, is that not the same as lie? It's still deception. And that's what, that's what we're talking about. Anyway, go on to the next one. Leisure without restraint. Leisure's a good thing. We all need a break every once in a while. Charles and I were just talking about vacation just a few minutes ago, how awesome it is to have a good... We all need a break. Have you ever heard that saying, all work and no play makes Jack, but all play and no work will make Jack broke and hungry, right? So you got to have it both. 
You can't, uh, yeah, a leisure is good. You've got to have a break. You've got to relax. You've got to have some time like that, but you've got to have both. You've got to, but that's not what this movie is saying, okay? And then, then lastly, I think about this encyclopedia, is you demand your friends bow to your every whim or they, uh, they aren't a very good friend. That's what Ferris Bueller does to Cameron. I mean, he's like, you know, and, and, and we do this. It's like your friend is there for you every time you need them. Then all of a sudden, one time, they can't be there. And what do you do? You're ready to break up the friendship. You're ready to tell them they're, they're no worth to you anymore. You're ready to, you know, to unfriend them on Facebook or, 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 or delete their number out of your phone. You're ready to, I mean, we, we do this sometimes. This is not the way to handle friendships. And if you handle friendships like that, it's a, it's a miracle if you've still got any friendships left. That's not the way to do it. Not only is this movie an encyclopedia of what not to do, you know, it also, next slide, if you will, please, it's a movie of false truths, such as this. There are no consequences in life. Yes, there are. There are con there's an eternity coming, guys, okay? Now, I know this movie wants you to believe there's no consequences. I mean, Ferris gets away with everything, but there are consequences in life. You know, when I was a teenager, we used to have this little, uh, little thing we called Maypop's Tires, y'all know what Maypop tires are? Anybody ever, everybody, anybody ever driven Maypop tires? You know, I had, I had a friend that uh, he used to always, every, every time he'd go over a bump, he'd lose a tire. You know why? Because he was driving Maypops. That's what we called them. Most of what he drove were retreads. You know, they put, they put a new tread on them, and every time he ran over something, that tread would bounce off, and he'd lose a tire. And, you know, and so he was always mad about that. But, hey, it's, it's not the tire's fault, you know. You're buying Maypops, and if you do that, you know, there are going to be consequences. You can't just do what you want to do, and everything's going to be all right. Or secondly, uh, more false truths. Running, hiding, lying are easier than honesty and transparency. You know, that, that's one of the things this movie would, would tell us, and hopefully we do know this is a fantasy, right? It's just a comedy, and we're not supposed to live our lives that way. But it's a good thing to point these things out that, wait a minute, no, lying is not easier than transparency because every time you tell a lie, what do you got? You got to back up that lie. And that's support. this movie shows us that, but it's like eventually he gets to the place where he has told enough lies that he actually gets out of everything scot-free. That's just not the way it works. You know, you're, you just have to keep telling those lies and keep telling those lies, and it, and it keeps building on you. And, and, and today, it gets even worse, you know, because today you've also, you know, when you tell somebody, no, I can't come to your house or I can't come to your thing because I've got to do this, you've got to really remember, now, is that person one of my, one of my social media friends? I've got to make sure that I don't post a picture of what I'm really doing tonight so that they don't find out, right? It gets even worse, you know? And so lying or hiding or, 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 or you know, ignoring some of the uh, connections you've in life is not easier than just being honest and transparent. That's easier. Or it's possible to fool all the people all the time. No, it's not. You know, the Word of God says that be, be sure your sins will find you out. Now listen, you may argue and say, well, that's just what the Word of God says, and I don't know that I believe everything the Word of God says. Okay, let me ask you about your, about your situation. Do you get away with everything? Do you get away with everything? Do you fool all the people all the time and you get away with everything for the rest of your life? No, I, I'm going to tell you, that's not the way it works in my life. What God says is that your sins find you out. That's the way it works in my life. If I don't fix it, it comes back to get me. It turns around and gets me. And that's what the Word of God teaches us. It, uh, what's the next one? The goal of life is to have fun. No, no. There are things that are so much better than, than just having a little fun. There are things that are so much deeper, so much rewarding, so much more uh, uh, fulfilling. What's the next one? Uh, and if you do it well, 
everyone will like you. You know, if you have fun and everyone will like you. I mean, that's, that's what we see in the movie, right? Ferris Bueller, I mean, he's doing it well. He's on the parade float, you know. He's singing Twist and Shout, and the whole city of Chicago is celebrating with him. You know, that's not the way it works either. They hated Jesus. People hated Jesus. People that Jesus came and died for hated Jesus. And so everybody's not going to love you for everything you do. What are the, what's the next one? Is that everything always works out? There's a, there's a, a scene in, in the movie right there at the end when it seems like everybody's closing in on Ferris. He's about to get caught. And then he, he, it's like he almost makes it. And his parents are coming. And he realizes he's got to turn off, he's got to turn off the, the fake snoring that he's got. Him th- so he throws a baseball, and the baseball bounces around and boom, boom, right in the glove right as his parents are opening the it doesn't work that way. Does it for you? I mean, it doesn't work that way for me. Everything doesn't always work out. You know, I, I, I'm really not that worried that you guys are going to take Ferris Bueller's day off and make that the way you start living your life. That's not what I'm preaching today, that, I, that I'm worried you're going to do that. But, but I, I, I do, I do want to point out to you today is that, yeah, there are a lot of false truths in there. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves that it goes a little deeper than just that. That's where we're going to here in just a moment, like rules. Rules, right, aren't cool. Yeah, rules aren't cool, but boring and joy inhibiting. That seems to be a kind of a theme of, of this movie and the theme of a lot of people's lives. If I could live by the rules, that's boring. That's just, that's, just, that's just stopping me from having any fun in life. Or parents aren't cool unless they accept, what the next one, parents aren't cool unless they trust their kids without question. You seen the movie? Ferris's parents, they're not cool, they're idiots. I mean, every time he pulls the wool over their eyes, every single time, they're not, they're not cool. I mean, we're laughing at them. We're not saying, hey, yeah, they're cool. Or, or like authority figures, they're not cool unless they're neglecting their authority, right? Like Grace, uh, the principal's uh, assistant, she, you know, she, she kind of seems just a little hip to what's going on. There's no way she could ever really be hip. But, you know, she's a, just a little hip to what's going on. Got a quote by her in just a few moments. You'll see a little bit if you don't understand what I'm talking about there. And she's just a little hip. But, but, but Mr. Rooney, the principal, Ed Rooney, I mean, anybody, can I ask, anybody that's seen the movie, is there any one of you that has seen the movie that Ed Rooney, the principal, is your favorite character in the movie? Anyone? 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 Y'all seen the movie, right? Yeah. That's from the movie, too, okay? Uh, no, nobody. Why? Because he's a jerk, isn't he? No, but wait a minute. He starts out as the only person in the movie trying to do the right thing. Now, granted, he does go overboard, and he just loses it and all of that. But, and so they make him into a big buffoon, and we can't stand him toward the end of the movie. But he is the only guy that is really trying. Here's the amazing thing, though, is that even us good Christians trying to follow the rules, check off all the things, and by the end of the movie, we're kind of hoping inside Ferris makes it. That he, gets, that he gets the snoring turned off before his mom and dad open the door. That his sister has a, has a change of heart. That Ed Rooney gets his comeuppance. We all start pulling for Ferris Bueller to make it. What does that say about us? Perhaps we're all obsessed with rebels. Maybe. Think about the 1980s movies that we've been through in this sermon series. And all the rebels. Han Solo. Maverick, I mean, his nickname is even synonymous with the word rebel, right? Or, or, or John Bender, you know, Wren uh, from uh, Footloose, and even uh, Marty McFly from Back to the Future. Maybe we're, maybe we're obsessed with the rebels, and that's why we're pulling. I don't think that's really it. 
I think what it really is is that we all at times feel a little restrained, feel a little overwhelmed, maybe overworked, maybe burdened, maybe that we need a break. And we all feel that to the extent that maybe to see somebody actually take the bull by the horns and go get a break is something we can empathize with and say, yes, 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 get a break, even though he didn't do it in the right way, did he? We can, we can feel that. And, and, and maybe nothing I've said to this point has meant anything to you, but maybe that part right there does. Is maybe you, you feel that, yeah, I could, I could use a break. Yeah, I could use a little respite from all the struggles that I'm having. And so you, you empathize now with these three teenage kids that just want to have a little bit of a break from the day in and the day out, the checking of the boxes and the do and the do and the don't and the don't and I have to fit in and all these things. And so we understand. But we have to understand also that when we want the break, we don't want the break from the rules. rules good rules aren't bad things. Good rules, like the Ten Commandments, they aren't about bondage and restriction. They're about freedom. Now, I don't know, I didn't get a lot of big amens right then, so I, you know, I don't really believe most of us on the top, just surface of it, that we really feel that or understand that. Because you know what I think we've done with the Ten Commandments? I think we've turned them, I think we've turned them into just a list of do's and don'ts. Well, that's what they are. And think, no, 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 that's not what they are. These are the wisdom of God the instructions of God. And what we have done is we have taken the wisdom and the instructions of God and turned it into just a bunch of do's and don'ts that now instead of leading us to a place of life, it's like they, they beat us up, make us feel bad about ourselves because oh, I didn't do that one today. I blew it, God. Or, or, or make, make us feel, feel bad about ourselves, make us feel like we're unworthy to and maybe even stand here and, and worship Him as they're singing the praise songs. And we've turned these, these, these great instructions of God and the wisdom of God into something that doesn't give life, but in a way kind of makes us feel bad about ourselves. That, that's not what God intended. That's not what he intended when he gave the Ten Commandments or when he gave Moses the rest of the law. That's not what he intended when he sent all the prophets. And it's definitely not what he intended when he gave us his own son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross of Calvary, not to put us under bondage, and to give us a bunch of rules to check off and say, okay, I did that one, did that one, did it. No, but to set us free from the results and the curse of all the sin that's in our, all the mistakes that we've made so that we don't have to deal with those things anymore. Don't believe me? Let me show you. Let me show you. Because, okay, I, I, I've got this thesis now that I'm going to be working on the rest of this message, and I'm going to go just as quick as I can here. But let me just show you here with the Ten Commandments, all right? The first one says, you must have no other gods before me. Sounds like a negative, right? Can't have any more gods. That sounds like a negative. Is that what it sounds like to you? Not to me. Here's the way I see this. About 39 years ago, I stood next to the love of my life in, in, in the presence of as many of my friends and families could show up that night. There in front of my dad, an ordained minister, and I promised to her to be faithful to her, for her to be my number one in this life for the rest of my life. I didn't stand there and argue within myself and say, wait a minute, you're telling me I can't have any other 
relationships in this world more important than you? You're telling me I can't have anyone else closer to me than you? Oh, wait a minute, i got to think about this thing. This, that doesn't sound like a negative to me. I remember then thinking that it was, and I, remember, and I can tell you that now I know that that's not a negative. That's an amazing thing about how we've grown and the place that we've come to now. About have, uh, you know, Because really what I was doing in that day, I was understanding that we were making a commitment that we would have no other spouses before that. We would have no other friends, no other relationship. That's not a negative. And the same thing is, go, is going on there with God. What God is doing is he's not trying to tell you you can't have. What God is doing is saying, I want to be your number one. Just like David is my number one. God's saying, I want to be your number one. I want to be your best. I want to be the one closest to you. That's not a negative. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of this universe has said he wants to be the one in your life. That's not a negative. That's an amazing thing. If you see it as a list, yeah, it may look like a negative thing, but if you understand that the God of this universe says, don't have anybody in front of me, I want to be yours. I want to be your number one. That's an amazing thing. Or there where he says, don't make any idols. Okay, this is where Grace, the eating with clerk, she says, uh, uh, she's trying to tell her, her boss, the principal, about fairies. She says, oh, he's very popular, Ed. The sportos, the motorheads, geeks, bloods, waste toys, dreebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. Okay, that's 1980s stuff right there, huh? You know, but you know what, that, you know what hit me with that? What hit me with that is uh, that, you know how, how we label ourselves? You know, in high school, you know, you got all these labels, and there are actually some that we had to bleep out of there, you know. We got all these labels, but it's not just the kids doing it, that even the staff knows. Even the staff is labeling people. And, and you know what happens when you've got a label? You've got to live up to that label, or you've got to try to break free from that. That label is holding you down. That label is restricting you. That label is, bo is, is bondage to you, keeping you from really being what you would like to be, you have to, you have to either fit in or break free from that label. And that's what idols do to you. And I know you say, well, we don't have idols. No, we don't have statues. Well, yeah, we have idols. I believe in our culture, in our world today, addictions are our idols. Now, yesterday in my small group, yesterday morning, we discussed this a while, and I didn't bring it up. Someone else brought it up, and I just sat back there, and, let, and they just started talking about it. And I just sat there with a smile on my face knowing, hey, I'm going to talk about this in service tomorrow. This is good, guys, that you've already got it too. And someone brought it up, and they were talking about their cell phone and about the games that they play. And they say it just, it just encompasses and takes up their time, and they keep playing and playing, and, 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 you know, and, and, and they miss other things going on in their, in their world. And so I'm not just talking about chemical or substance addictions, talking about all the addictions that we have in our life. We, we can have good things. Leisure's a good thing as long as you don't forget the work also that's got to go along with it fun is a good thing as long as you don't forget all the all the other people around you and, and so I believe our addictions today are our idols we're facing those things and so here's what God is saying with this he's not saying I don't want you to just to worship anybody else. He's saying, I don't want you under the control of all those stuff. I want you to be free from those things. I don't want you to be bound by the addictions of this world, whether it's, whether it's worshiping some stone image or whether it's spending all your time on a cell phone uh, game or something that, that is taking all your time away from the people that love you and that you need to be connected with. God's saying, I don't want you to be bound by this. That's what it, there's so much more that God is saying right there. Let's go on. So you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Um, 
you know, and I won't really hurry here, but I saw this quote. This quote's from George Washington, the first president. And this, I think this actually was before he was president, 1776, so it's a close call right there. But I think this was actually before he was president. And, he, and he's talking about profanity. And he says, the general, talking about himself, is sorry to be informed that the foolish and wicked practice of profane cursing and swearing is growing into fashion. It is a vice so mean and low that every man of sense and character detests and despises it. You know, I don't hear people talk like that anymore. He's talking about the army, the first army of this, of, of this nation. And he says, we haven't ever had this. We haven't ever had profanity before in the army. And he said, we ought to detest it and despise it because... You know, I don't hear people talk like that anymore. As a matter of fact, I remember hearing years ago people talk about profanity, and they say, you know, when someone uses profanity, all they're showing is their lack of a vocabulary to adequately explain themselves and describe what they're trying to say. And they just get mad or get passionate or whatever, and, and they just jump to a four-letter word or something, and that's just the only way. You know, here, here's what I think God is saying by saying, don't, don't misuse the name of the Lord your God. Is he's going farther beyond that because... Look, look through the rest of the scripture. And what do you see about how God tells us to talk? You know, I believe God is trying to teach us to talk like you're somebody. Talk like you know what you're talking about. Talk like you've got something to say. Don't just, don't just, don't just lean on profanity and using God's name in vain. Talk like you're something. Talk like you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords own son. Talk like that and, and, and show and prove to somebody. You see, there's so much more that's going on here than just that. Or go on to the next one. I think this is one where, yeah, I, I, I knew, I knew that by this time I would have spent all my time and I got to hurry right here. So let me just real quick, because I can't run through these. Remember the Sabbath day. Let me say this to you, okay? Let's just imagine for a moment that, that coming to church on Sunday is like eating a spiritual meal, okay? Now, you can skip a meal and it not kill you. Some of you don't know that, but you can skip a meal and it won't kill you, all right? Actually, fasting is a good thing for you spiritually and physically. Just a little fasting every once in a while. So it won't kill you, okay? So yeah, missing a church service won't kill you. But when you miss half of your meals, will that not negatively impact your health? And so, you know, it won't kill you. But if you miss enough of them, doesn't it negatively impact your health? Doesn't it negatively you know, it may, make you not strong enough to fight off the diseases or the stuff that, you know, the, the, the germs or the bacteria, the stuff that you've got to fight off and you've got you to get through? Does, does it not? Does it not? Or, or look at the other side of this as well. Think about that big table at Grandma's house, you know, for, for Thanksgiving or for Christmas or those things. And, and when, when one or two people are missing, you know, the rest of the crowd, they, they're like, okay, it's not that big a deal. But, man, it is a big deal for that one person. Think about that one person. They keep missing and keep missing. You know what happens? You know what happens? They begin to get disconnected from the rest of the family. They, you know, and it's not so much what you get by being there if you're not careful. After a while, it's what you miss by not being there. And you get disconnected. So, so here, here's the thing about this church attendance thing. We started this message with attendance, right? And so now we're back to it a little bit. Here's the, here's the big thing. You are much stronger when you eat the regular balanced meal of being in church. And the church family is much stronger when you show up around the table every week. You know, okay, real quick. Honor your father and mother. It's about appreciation of all they've done for you and given you. It's about respect and honor. You must not murder. It's about it's about honoring life. And listen, not just, not just by not taking, uh, you know, and, and listen, I've, 
I've got all these scriptures that are behind these that are on the connect page. Go there and, and click on them and read all these scriptures, okay? We don't have time to read them right now, but, but there, there is at least one there to remind you. All through scripture, it shows us this, is that it's not just, just what we do with our hands, but if we think this, if we think, if we hate in our mind, if we think in this way, we are still guilt, or we are still, uh, uh, we're still subject to the judgment of God if we think these things, even if we don't act it out with our hands. So it's not just about that, but it's also, you must not commit adultery. You know what God, you know, I can't think, I don't know anybody that was sitting here today that say, well, that's a negative, you must not commit adultery. Well, it really is, you must not commit adultery. But that's not what God is saying. God's not just saying you can't have sex. That's not, God's not saying that. Go read the Bible. Go read, go read Song of Solomon. I dare you. Go read it with your grandmother. I bet you won't because it'll embarrass you to death because God is not saying you can't have sex. What God is saying is, I want you to have the most awesome marriage that, that has ever been dreamed of in this whole world. That's why he says, don't do this because it will destroy all the good that I'm trying to give to you. You must not steal work for what you need. You must not give false testimony against your neighbor. That's weird. Why didn't he just say, don't lie? Well, he is, but he's, he's taking it further. You know what he's saying? He's saying, don't lie, and we, you may be thinking about court. Okay, yeah, don't lie against your neighbor in court, and don't, and don't tell falsehoods about them in the parking lot, and don't tell falsehoods about them on Facebook. Now, that's not from the King James right there, okay? That's pastor paraphrasing just a little bit. But don't tell falsehoods at all, and you must not covet. He teaches us to be content with what we have been given, and some people think that is a negative. You mean, I just got to be content with what? No, no, no. You, you don't understand. That God has already dreamed and already provided. He has miracles and blessings waiting to hand to you. And when you've got your eyes on what somebody else has got that you don't have, you're going to miss what God has already provided and is just waiting to put into your hands. So don't covet what somebody else has got. You've got just as much as they've got waiting for God to pour it out on you. You see, Paul Tripp, said this, a great article, and I've linked it on, the, on that Connect page as well, okay? The sermon notes. He said in this article, every doctrine is a shorthand. See, this is it. We don't live by the list of Ten Commandments. Those are the shorthand for all of this. There's so much more that God is saying throughout Scripture. There's so much more. It's not don't do, don't do this, do this, don't hang out with them, don't speak. It's not all of that. It's like, let me teach you. Let me show you. And so just memorizing those 10 can really, can really discourage you if you don't understand all that God is trying to teach behind those 10 commandments and everything else that he has in the Word. L let, let, me, here, let me just real quick, I, I'll, I'll do this real quick, but in this article by, by Paul Tripp, he talks about justification. He says, like justification. Okay, <gasps> y'all getting tired now that I said justification, right? Now who wants to talk about justification, right? But he says when we read the rest of the Bible and we understand what justification is, that God starts showing us who we are as human beings under the penalty and the curse of sin and our depravity that makes us continually walk in, want to walk in ways that we shouldn't walk and do things we shouldn't do and thereby bring judgment on ourselves and bring, bring evil things and bad things into our life. But then God, because he hates sin and what it is doing to us, 
and loves us, he sent his only son who died on the cross of Calvary to pay for every one of our sins so that he could forgive us and now you and I get to stand before him righteous and holy, justified by, by grace and by faith and by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because of that, now you and I are justified. That when, Now when we say justification, we understand that's what it's all about. Then we say, oh, I understand. that's it. It's like justification is the doctrine that tells us all of these awesome things. And so all of those, here's, here's what I want you to get. Here's what I want you to get. It's when you read the Word of God, don't see it as, as stuff, okay, I've got to figure out what in here I've got to obey today. Don't see it as obedience and, and those things. Understand that it is God giving you wisdom and instruction and understanding so that you can live for Him, be free, delivered from the, the sin and the curse of sin, and so that you can have the most awesome life anyone has ever dreamed about. Let me show it to you like in Psalm chapter 15. This, this, I'm closing right here. This is the last thing we're going to do, and we're, we're going to close. Psalm 15, this is the whole chapter right here. And you know what it takes? It's like, it's like the Ten Commandments are a list. This is like an essay about it, okay? Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? I've actually ha heard people read this like this. Well, who can stand in your presence, God? You're so holy and we're so messed up. Who can stand in your presence? Who can worship you? Who can be on your holy hill? That's the attitude some people have, is that negative, negative, negative. That's not what he's saying. Look at what the psalmist is saying. It's who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord, who may enter your presence on your holy hill. And listen, that's the goal, not just here on a Sunday morning, but for eternity as well. Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord, who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. Those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises, even when it hurts. Those who lend money without charging interest and who cannot be bribed to lie about the innocent, such people will stand firm forever. Again, justification. I'm going to stand before him. If I do those things, these are the things. This is, what, this is what the Bible is. The Bible is teaching us all these things that will enable us to stand in freedom and to stand, stand firm forever and, and, and never, never not fall never not even be judged by him because I've already received the forgiveness of my sin and I will stand before him as I stand now justified in him through faith and grace in Jesus Christ through his blood and the, and, 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 and the sacrifice that he made for us on Calvary because of this. This is what, don't, don't see, don't see obedience, don't see the do's, don't see the don'ts, see the God show me how to live so my life can be all that you dreamed it ever would be. Go after it there. That's what God wants to teach us. That's what God wants, to, that's what his word is about. And so I really challenge you to get as much of the word in you. Get every bit of it as you can and understand it's teaching you how to have that awesome life that he has dreamed you would have. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and pastoral staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer request by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.